You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast, we sit down with Ivan Lin, who is a Taiwanese-American entrepreneur and pianist. He is known for his work in the music production of video games in the Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts series. He is also the music director and chief conductor of the Assassin's Creed Symphony World Tour. Lin is a production executive of Goldstone Studios and the CEO and founder of Web3 music platform Wave. Lin is a member of the National Arts and Science Recording Academy and ASCAP. On today's show, we talk about how is pitching a startup different or the same as pitching an idea in Hollywood? Does being a childhood star prepare you for life as an entrepreneur? How do you calculate risk versus reward? How has NFTs changed the artist community? And much more. Now let's start today's episode, which was recorded live at City National Bank in Sunnyvale. All right, let's begin the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Ivan, I'm super excited to have you on this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Before starting, I want to thank City National Bank for hosting us, and I want to thank our live studio audience for showing up for today. As our audience at home can tell, this is a standing room event. This has been fantastic. But Ivan, I know your background. I did a lot of research. We had coffee. Fantastic. But you know, I know all of it, but our audience doesn't. Can you give our audience a little bit of background of your career up until this point before we really start diving into the questions? Cool, cool. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, for having me here. So when I was five, I started my very first initial career as an actor. And uh, at the time, I was in a TV program called Jesus Power, which is one of the largest, it became one of the largest TV programs in uh, Greater China. And at the time, I started to, in addition to acting, I started to do a lot of music, dancing, chess class, and pretty much a little bit of everything. By the age of 12, I, I chose music to be one of, one of the, uh, the topics that I wanted to focus on. And I started to play piano when I was 12, which is pretty late. Then uh, moved to Germany when I was 17 gone through some really intensive traditional classical training at a period of time, then moved to Boston, started to do a lot of music outside classical, uh, started to do video gaming music, film music, and uh, after that, jumping into tech. And that's where I am right now. As we mentioned that uh, pretty much this time I was visiting the West Coast, it was purely for the rescheduled uh, Grammy Awards back in uh, April in Vegas. And I figured that San Francisco is really close to, uh, to Vegas. So I wanted to uh, come here to say hi to a friend or, or two. And the plan was supposed to be under a week Then I returned to, to Boston. And like for most of you probably have aware what I'm wearing, it's a Boston winter outfit right now. So I haven't got a chance to return to Boston within a week. And it's, uh, it's been three months here in the Bay Area. So I love this place. Yeah, our winters here are pretty tough. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You'd mentioned a lot of things right there. One of them was, well, you studied chess, which was very interesting. 
also that you're a child actor. Now, having this diverse background, chess, music, acting, how did that prepare you to have an entrepreneurial lifestyle? How did that prepare you for later on with everything that, you, that you've done and are working on? Right. I, I guess when I was young, I got into entertainment industry where I started to get quite used to standing in front of camera and standing on, on stage. And I remember during that time, I liked to perform. I liked to be creative. And acting is all about that, uh, within the lines, but be creative and to portray the characters in a way that would be uh, alive, especially at the time we were, we were in a TV drama that's featuring a Song Dynasty. It's a drama in uh, ancient China. Um, but the thing is that I started to realize I love things that are creative, a lot of things that are innovative. And that sort of drives me to, to get interest in creativity, like music, like dance, and also, also chess. Uh, I don't think like right now, I probably would be able to say this music, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of logic behind. But in terms of creativity, I just like doing something that's new and that's powerful that we'll be able to com- convey to messages that for me, like for instance, music or acting, it's a way to express the emotion and to be myself. You also mentioned that, I mean, you're born in Taiwan, I believe, yeah. and then you moved to Germany and you know, you're here in the States now. You've gotten to live all these parts of the world. And not, I mean, I'm not saying visit on a weekend trip or a two-week excursion. I mean, you live, learn the language, the culture, all these different parts of the world. How is being in so many different environments, how does that give you a different perspective when looking at problems? Right. When I was young, I started to, to travel. And the first uh, destination for me was uh, Switzerland when I was, when I was five. And I remember how curious I was and how excited I was to see new things. And at the time, I didn't know what the word culture is. I didn't know what the word uh, food or people. I I was just having fun. But I I remember there was an eye-opening experience where I started to see a lot of new, new things that I've never experienced. And that inspired me. And I guess uh, looking back right now, it's a lot of inspirations that when you travel to different places, uh, it's the people that you meet, it's the food that you try, it's the culture that you get to know. It's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of everything that gets you inspired and come back to where you are and to create something new and something that's uh, interactive and also uh, more, more in a humble way that when you see people from Europe, then the next day you're in South America. And especially when we're on a concert tour, it's quite easy to wake up uh, every day in a different time zone. But I remember I enjoyed a lot because it's all about the new things that I'm experiencing. And uh, at the time, I, I can't wait to, to see uh, what's new, what's uh, on the other side of the, the, uh, the continent, what's, what's things out there that I can learn from those because I love to absorb. I love, I'm always curious. I'm curious about learning a lot of, a lot of new things. And these are all the elements and uh, the inspirations that I would be able to move forward with creating something new, whether it's in technology or in music, that's all I love to do. I mean, even in this room right now with this audience, so many people here were born in other countries and moved here to Silicon Valley. 
And I'm not sure the exact statistic, but I believe it's something like one in three founders of companies are immigrants. Do you think that there is a certain skill set, certain adaptability, certain traits that come with move into a new country and succeed that are beneficial for a CEO, a founder of a company to have? And if so, what would those be? Right. I, I remember the first time when I was in the US, it was 11, 12 years ago. And at the time, I remember that was a quite overwhelming experience because 2009, I lived in Germany at the time for about seven, eight years. And uh, I've been in intensive training for classical music. But in the meantime, I also grew up watching a lot of blockbuster movies from Hollywood. So I was really curious about like how streets would look like uh, in New York and uh, how people would like, like how is the American steak would taste. So uh, out of a curiosity, uh, I landed in New York. And I, I think one of the amazing things that I, I, I found out is that it's how people here in this country can be so open-minded about a lot of new things. Not just new things and new people, new culture. And that little thought came to me, if I wanted to do something that could be really inspirational, then it must be in, in the US. There's a different vibe between uh, Germany, where I lived for quite, quite a while, and uh, the United States, like the way people would communicate, uh, the way they would embrace, uh, embrace new things. It's it's just a whole new different story. And it also aligns to my personality, which is I love trying new things. I love like innovative uh, uh, projects. That's interesting. I mean, it kind of sounds like you're saying because of the US open-minded culture, it allows people that were maybe in cultures that were more regimental to finally have that opportunity to try out, be creative. And because of that opportunity, they might take risk and, and pursue something. You'd mentioned also, when we're talking about your history up until this point, composing your, your music career, can you talk a little bit about your production performing video game music right. for, for the eyes? Like, How did you come up with that? How did you know it was going to be successful? What market assessment did you do? Right. So, before I was 18, uh, just, just to think, think back right now, it's really funny because before, before 18, I... I didn't even listen to music outside uh, classical, which right now I'm thinking about it is, is, is ridiculous because uh, at the time I, I, was, I was really trying to focus on one thing and I cannot listen to pop music at the time. I cannot listen to uh, world music and anything, but only classical music. But uh, moving to Berlin, moving to uh, Hanover in, in Germany and, and, and Boston, I started to absorb a lot of things. And I wanted to try new stuff. And it was exactly the time when I moved to Boston from, from Germany. I, I got a call from uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, they said that uh, there is a rock band coming from Berkeley School of Music who is looking for a keyboardist and a pianist for, for the band. And the special part about this, this band is that uh, they perform video game music. And I was like, uh, yes, I always wanted to try new things. Then how come I, I could only listen to classical music? I, I need to be more open-minded in a way. So I said, yeah, sure. If they are fine with the classical 
pianist joining the rock and roll band uh, 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 short. So we started to uh, perform music uh, from video games like Final Fantasy, like uh, Legend of Zelda, like Kingdom Hearts. Um, and this little idea actually started to, to come to me, whereas I still remember the very first concert I went to at Boston Symphony Hall that was Distant Worlds uh, from Final Fantasy. And you see the concert hall with a uh, full of audience. The audience age is younger. And you, you see from their eyes that they love the music that is being performed on the stage. And going forward, I started to attend like video game conventions and all those video game events. And I thought in intuition, uh, from intu intuition, it's got to be something. Video game plus music might be something to become really big. And that was 12 years, 13 years ago when I brought up this idea. So we should perform video game music and we should start, write, we should start writing up music for video games. Like all my friends, uh, people thought I was crazy. And especially like concert venues would ask me, so Ivan, like, yes, we are very experienced. We are, uh, we work with uh, world-class conductors, symphony orchestras, and there will be no one who wanted to come to our concert hall and theater to listen to the music Super Mario. You, you should just uh, not do it. And I remember I was like, that was 12 years ago. And I remember it was like, no, like, Yes, they will listen. Not only they will listen to <laughs> Super Mario being performed uh, live, I'm pretty sure it's going to be um, Full House. So that night, it's proven that that concert hall has never been so crowded as God knows for, for, for how long. And we had delayed the start time of the concert because our audience would line up buying merch, t-shirts, pens, uh, box and everything, and they wouldn't even want it to be seated until like we, we we make three announcements. We were like, we have to start the show. Please be seated. And uh, at the end of the day, we need to sort of like reveal. Okay, so we got a special VIP that's coming to the the concert hall. If you guys are not coming in, we cannot start the show, and you cannot see the VIP. <laughs> so uh, we started to invite a lot of like video game com composers, uh, video game music composers, to to the show as part of uh, the program, and. Surprisingly, all the VIP seats were sold out uh, very fast because they always know that they will get a perk to meet and greet with music composers. And that's the music they love. They are going to see the creator. And it becomes really easy for, for us to understand that, no, there's a huge market uh, uh, there. And we just didn't care if people would be uh, uh, doubtful or skeptical about if this is going to be huge or not because we know it's going to be huge. And it was huge. So going forward, it's been an amazing journey that I sort of accidentally got into this rock band, which would perform video game music. And later, like you see last year, uh, Tokyo Olympics, uh, when Athens would go into the stadium, it was actually the music of Kingdom Hearts, music Dragon Quest. It was all the video game and anime music that was being played. So with that, I mean, my question is, putting this all together, I mean, you had to rent the theater, you had to hire the orchestra, you put everything together as if it was starting your own company right there. So many people here in the Valley will start companies just out of an idea, put all their money into it. Maybe it succeeds, maybe it doesn't. 
when you were doing this, how confident were you in the success and kind of what were you thinking of it from a business angle? Were you just thinking, I want to create music or were you thinking, okay, merchandise sells this much, seats should go for this much? How were you figuring everything out so you know, so you had an idea it was going to be successful both from a publicity but also a financial view? To be very honest, we didn't know at the time. Well, we just wanted to create uh, great music, we wanted to cre- create a great uh, experience. And uh, we we're hoping to have a great time with the franchise, with the community. And um, at some point, because I, I, I founded my uh, first company, which is a music studio. And the reason why we founded that company is because when we started to do project, I remember there was with uh, the uh, former president of Sony Music. He was looking for a composer. And we signed a contract. There was no company name from our side, just me. And they were about to wire transfer the first fund to us. And they were asking our company account. And it was that point, I was like, we don't have a company account. So I've got to create one. So I, I went up to uh, the bank and create a business account. I registered a company and provide the logo and uh, a little bit of uh, legal documents. And off we go. Then there was uh, when we started doing our uh, projects. At the time, there was like all the new things for us. We had to write checks from our company checks. Uh, we have to communicate with all different uh, departments, the people, and especially when it comes to like recording, when it comes to uh, performing, it's really a com- complex process to go uh, forward. Like one project would involve in at least 100 to 200 people uh, one time. And for instance, the recording session will have to be done within two days. Then we're talking about working with around 70 people per, per, per day. And it's a lot of logistics, a lot of operations uh, going on. So we figure everything out one by one. If we need to include merch, oh, we understand that there's a demand for merch. So we're adding merch. Then we would do a research. And at the time, it was all like old school. There was no data. There was like no uh, uh, search engine optimization. It's all about, oh, if the shirt is selling really well, then we're going to just uh, do more shirts. <laughs> so it was like really traditional way to do business. But you start to see, when you start to see the demand and you communicate with uh, the franchise, that's where uh, you started to learn. And that's also when I started to get, an, get a sense that no, it cannot be so old-fashioned. We need to sort of involve technology or software to it to figure out a larger scale production or concert business that we have to uh, put out there. I'm kind of curious what processes and technology you implemented. And while you're answering that question, if we could get the cue for the first uh, audio clip prepared to, to be played. But... How are you thinking about the business processes? How are you making this more, I guess, not a hobby, but actually a, a company? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's all about data that we're able to collect from each uh, a project. And uh, when we started travel, for instance, in concert tours, we would travel to New York, followed by uh, Singapore, then Sydney, and then coming back to uh, Los Angeles. And... Every time it's a lot of data to organize, it's which section of the pricing of the ticket that would uh, sell the most. So it would affect us on pricing plan for the next concerts. And it's about what pr- 
program or what particular piece that would be so popular in the franchise that I always wanted to listen one more time. So maybe we can put that into encore piece, or maybe we can put that into a variation of the program so that, or maybe we can invite a composer originally who wrote the music to perform with the uh, the piece. So all this become uh, like some valuable data that we'll be able to apply towards future projects for for that and all the organization and collecting like before it was all pencil and papers and we sort of started to use a google spreadsheet then engage with software and it's pretty much that the data that we've been building is becoming quite unique because first of all it's video gaming market it's not a very usual second of all when we talk to to people about like video gaming industry it's it's a really unique and niche uh, market there, even though right now like it's it's huge, but it's the way gamers, users, the community would uh, together figure out something that ten years ago, twenty years ago, people thought we were crazy, or like usually parents would wouldn't want their kids to play video games, right? But right now those kids are grown ups and they're they became parents and they're fine with kids playing video games and they play together. So you really start to see this behavior change uh, uh, year after year. All right. And could we cue the first sound bit? And Ivan, would you like to tell us about this? So this is an opening title and also my first uh, film scoring project for uh, a film titled The Tenets. It's a thriller. And I remember at the time I was casually talking to Adam, who was the uh, president of the Sony Media at the time, who wanted to direct the, for the very first time a, a movie for uh, as part of his, uh, his project. And the backstory about creating this music is that they were about to submit the film to Cannes, the film festival in uh, France. And because there are two composers in this project, and the other composer sort of is like piled with all the work and stuff, and he wasn't able to finish that opening title in time. So Adam would turn, into, uh, turn to me and said, so Ivan, I heard that you write music, right? And... At that point, I, I noticed, no, that's the opportunity that's coming. So I have to say yes, even though I've never done a film score before. So I said yes. Then this is a piece that I wrote. All right, let's begin. Thank you. 
I mean, that was incredible. So you wrote, produced everything that, that piece. Yeah. From zero to a hundred, uh, I uh, wrote a score, uh, we called the musicians and that was Boston Chamber Orchestra at the time that we worked with and my first time sitting in the control room and also the first time working with Holly with the, the mixers, uh, in, in, in incredible Shinosuke, he uh, is in uh, Thomas Newman's team. So at the time they were actually producing the music Finding Dory and we were like, oh, so we've got this nice film coming in is it possible that you could like squeeze some time into uh the production so they actually suspended uh finding dory production for a week and to work on the film that we are uh th- that's coming from boston <laughs> i have a question with with all that you're doing up to this point and and then we're going to get into what you're doing now with web 3 how how have you looked at risk versus reward throughout your career I think, it, I, th- I think it comes together, first of all. And uh, second is that there's always risk. It's just that how we can, how we're able to handle that and how we're uh, facing and experiencing it and turn it into a positive outcome. There's no such like non-risk uh, activity or projects going, going forward. You know, you, you go out and dine in the restaurant, you, you can get choked. So <laughs> there's always risk. But I do think... The spirit is that if you're onto something that you're being questioned uh, to a certain degree, but you are crystal clear about what you're doing right now in the future, it's probably going to be something, then I, I would go for it because I know that there is reward on the other side waiting for us. Okay. So with that, you're also going for, I mean, your new company right now, your new project, what you're working on, and it's in the Web3 space. Now... A lot of buzzwords there. A lot of us have no idea what it actually is. Can you tell us about the opportunities you see in Web3? Right. Well, Web3, we wouldn't say it's like too new. Uh, it's not a 2022 thing. But the thing is that when you, when you start to see something that's shifting, like 12 years ago, that's what I see in uh, a video gaming. But right now, what I'm seeing is, for instance, like Web3 plus music, which is uh, what we're doing right now is that right now so much used to democratizing uh, publishing. Like we would tweet, we would send out statement on Facebook, we would do Instagram, and we don't need to go through New York Times or Boston Globe to go through that publishing just because it's the uh, process of uh, democratizing uh, publishing, which is what we could consider uh, uh, Web 2 or where we are right now. But in terms of Web 3, uh, it's a lot about democratizing uh, ownership. It's about what we're owning or what, what we're carrying in the digital world. If we'll be able to prove or certify we're the owner to it. For instance, like a digital file, digital a music piece or a piece of painting, it can be delivered or sent on the internet, but how are we able to prove the ownership? And Right now, this market is like really, it's getting quite noisy with the NFTs and crypto, uh, so on and so forth. But when you look at the technology behind, including blockchain, including the infrastructure, it's actually quite good way to possibly provide solutions to a lot of future projects for, for arts, for communications, for software. Like right now, we're, we're so much used to internet and social media and smartphones. 
But the thing is that when it comes to, for instance, on social media, when it comes to finding the source, if that's a piece of authentic information or that's actually fake news, like it's a long-lasting problem for us to like trace back. And this technology of blockchain will be able to provide certain transactions that, are, that won't be able to be deleted or modified uh, once it's out there, it's out there. Meaning for the content creators, they are responsible for the work they put out there in the public, in the digital world. And what does it, what does it have to do with music? It's all about how music, when, when a piece of music is done and it started to travel to be in front of your iPhone or streaming services like uh, Spotify and Apple Music, music creators will have to deal with different publishers, different distributions. And when music travels internationally to, say, 150 countries, there are 150 local royalty collecting agencies dealing with the, the business. So what does that mean for music creators? It's all about dealing with different currencies, different commission, different percentage of uh, they're, they're going to take away. So that's why at the end of the day, there, there's so many uh, middlemen between music creators and their audience. And the way we, we, we see Web3 and the, and the technology behind is that it likely will be able to start removing the middlemen one by one. So music creators will be able to publish their music easily. They will be able to manage their royalties and distribution uh, much more easily. And a lot of people argue that, okay, so the business has been there for quite a while. So why shouldn't we keep the same thing? And uh, don't get me wrong, because a uh, music community, it's a place where artists are working with people based on trust and also relationship. But in the meantime, you know, there's no way like 2022 to publish your music or upload your music on Spotify without going through a third party. So when, when YouTubers will be able to upload video so much more easily and communicate and be connected to their fans and their audience so, so easily, music creators are still struggling. There hasn't been a way on there. So in terms of infrastructure in music community and in music industry, it really deserves a, something that's newer and more modern way to, to, uh, to proceed. So you'd mentioned the kind of the distribution of creatives for getting their work out to the public, cutting out the middleman. What about NFTs change in how maybe capital is raised for the these artists i mean in the history maybe you had that one patron that would sponsor an, a, a painter or you know currently you have that one patron that buys a ticket for an event thank you wendy now <laughs> how is nfts changing the way that the artistic community is able to raise capital for projects yeah so it did to a certain degree change the scenario for for artists and particularly for visual artists. When you look at uh, how OpenSea has been doing successful jobs last year and uh, earlier this year, it's a way for, for artists to connect with their, their fans, their fan base uh, much more closely. But in the meantime, you also see a lot of problems started to, to uh, surface. And most is because we don't know who the artists are and we don't know what's good and what's bad. and uh, we don't know if that's original. We don't know if it's worth investing or worth collecting. I would really love to see those platforms out there doing NFTs. They would be able to put out some of like personalized or customized recommendation system so that 
collectors or artists will be able to find each other much more easily. Like right now, you're seeing, for instance, like OpenSea, it's a lot of Billboard Top 100 charts. Uh, whoever is popular will get everything. But that's not solving the problem ultimately. It would be fantastic if valuable assets would be able to be connected to the collectors or the consumers that would see the value. And you really started to see this kind of connections on YouTube, on Netflix, on TikTok. They're not necessarily Web3 or NFT, but it's actually the technology behind, which is algorithms and AI recommendation system that will help you find the videos that you love on YouTube. Like, Not everyone will have to agree with you on the, the video you love, but it's your personal choice. It's customized. Like on TikTok, there's, there are hundreds of millions of uh, uh, videos out there, but uh, we don't need to view anything. It's, it's not like old-fashioned Hollywood blockbuster that everyone has to be watching Avengers, Marvels, or Iron Man. It's, it's about to find something that you love, something that's personal. So I do think the infrastructure, along with the uh, very powerful recommendation system, they need to go together hand in hand so that we'll be able to find what's our favorite asset, what's our favorite artwork, what's our favorite songs going forward. And let's queue up the second piece for tonight's performance. And uh, while that's being queued up, another question, Ivan, this Web3, how do you see it, you know, timeline for it being adopted? Where do you see kind of the rollout coming over what time frame? I don't think the community and the world is curious about what's going on, whether it's a, a positive or negative. But uh, the thing is that it's really when you start to see things that are uh, coming and uh, to, uh, to the market. 13 years ago, when we were talking about video games, I'm not sure if parents would still say the same thing, but 13 years ago, you would see parents or grandparents that would say, oh, if you play video game, you must you must not be a good kid. Like you, you will be bad. Like you, you know how to shoot. You know how to sit on an adventure. You know uh, how to make transactions within games. But like after things like twenty twenty two, you really do see like a lot of grown ups playing video games when they were in a child. There's no actually video game changed the way that I think. Video game actually changed the way that I would change. Pretty much change uh, one's life. So yes, I mean. All this noise and people being skeptical, it really is something that you can see behind that. No, there's opportunity coming. So it's really up to you if you want to see this positively or you wanted to observe and stay back a little more, which is also fine. But there will be pioneers. There will be followers. And I don't want to be following. I wanted to uh, be some th- or early ones to, to do that. That's why we see things... Uh, this way. All right. With that, let's cue the second piece for tonight.
So, Sean, I do have a question. So, uh, listening to this piece of music, is there something special that you would be able to share with us? I don't know. I'm just picturing you in front of the whole orchestra, like <laughs> with your arms <laughs> flaring. And I don't know. This, I'm almost thinking like Lord of the Rings, this battle about to commence. I don't know. What am I supposed to visualize? Yeah. So, so, it's an epic symphonic score written for a, a video game. Uh, there was a project that we worked with, uh, a Tencent video game. So what you just listened to and what you just heard right now, except for the solo cello, which is beautiful, none was performed by human. Wow. None was performed by human. And that's what I was so fascinated about technology because this symphony that was supposed to be a hundred people on the stage, it's done by one single man. That's incredible. And that's what we're building right now in our music project, Wave, spelled as W-A-V-V. Because really started to see like technology needs to meet more art. Like when we were talking, talking to OpenAI about their brand new product, which is uh, Dolly, you give a textual description, you give a sentence, then uh, AI will be able to draw the picture right away for you under 15 15 seconds. And the thing is that for art, for AI, we've been talking about this topic for so long. If AI is going to replace painters, musicians, or uh, creators. But the thing is that the answer is yes or no. Like there is definitely value there from music of Chopin, Beethoven, like they've been through the test of times and uh, we're, we're, we still listen to those great pieces of music. But the thing is that when you look at the demand and the service out there. Right now, the demand is larger, the speed is faster. And when we need a piece of music, how would we be able to work with the music creators where we can just give a textual description and come up with the music by, by AI? So this piece of music is the starting point that we understand that music can be visualized as sound waves for sure sound frequencies, 12 major keys, 12 minor keys, BPMs, rhythms, melodies, chords, progressions, and everything actually that can be written down. And these are the elements that will be able to feed the engine. And instead, they will be uh, starting to analyze, okay, so what is the music for happiness? What is the music for, for nostalgic? What is music for Paris? What is music for this beautiful woman. So it's just an example that how technology can be so powerful going forward and how this can be integrated into uh, arts. And for, for me personally, it's into music because we're really seeing something that's different from the way music's been consumed and been produced compared to before. I mean, I guess with that, I got to ask, I mean, you talked about all these things there. Tell us exactly kind of an overview, what your company is doing in a little bit layman, more layman's terms. Right. So Wave develops predictive modeling for audio. And there are two things we're d- uh, doing right now. One is to massively optimize the recommendation system for uh, ourselves or for music streaming services out there for Spotify and Apple Music. I'm pretty sure a lot of, a lot of people would experience this. Like I pick a song from Lady Gaga and that's the song that I love. But I don't know what's going to play the next. Or for a lot of people, like they don't even know what to look for, the playlist that they wanted to listen to. So 
they heavily rely on the curating curating engine, which is the recommendation system, the music streaming services would push to you. But a lot of times, you know, it's being categorized as classical music, pop music, blue, jazz. But music is so much more into details, and it's not just about oh, if I like Lady Gaga, but maybe I will like Katy Perry. It's actually about oh, this romantic song is actually in BPM seventy two. So maybe you will love another song with the BPM, which is beat per minute seventy two. And you you started to see Spotify doing that. But I have to throw out some numbers because I was reading an, an article. Uh, yesterday, you know, there are around like eight million music creators out there on Spotify. Around eighty percent of them, six point three million music creators, their music after publishing on Spotify, they got less than fifty listeners monthly, and that's eighty percent, and that's six point three million music creators. And there is something wrong there because. Again, you you see TikTok putting out like really successful case. Like they don't need to follow one blockbuster movie or one Hollywood star, but they can find the influencers that they personally love. But you don't see a lot in music right now. It's because overall, in music industry, it's really behind. And the reason why Netflix is so successful and their secret sauce is actually the algorithm they would put out there. Right? They would uh, ba- based on your watching behavior. The way that you would speed up, fast forward, or rewind is actually all the behaviors that were being recorded, and we intend to do the music version of of that. So, pretty much, put out a much better recommendation system, help music creators find their audience more efficiently, and also help music consumers find the music they love. Then, based on the same technology going forward, we're talking about generating music from textual description. Like you put out a sentence, a guy walking a dog next to Lausanne in Paris, then it would generate music for you. So you started to see these opportunities when a media project needs a piece of music that's original. It can actually work on that really easily to compose, to assist, come up with a music piece much more, more easily. So that's the technology predictive modeling that Wave is doing、uh, behind. And Ivan, before wrapping it up, I'm curious: How is pitching a startup similar, or different than pitching an idea in Hollywood? And also, I am curious if you want to share a story about your time at the Grammys. Yes, Grammy this year is、uh, has, it's been amazing. It's been two years. First of all,、uh, it was rescheduled due to Omicron, so we had to travel to、uh, Vegas. It was in the MGM Garden Arena. It was like party. With a little bit of drink, and friends are meeting each other.、Uh, we ran into、uh, Paris Hilton, and we see、uh, Bruno Mars, BDS, and Lady Gaga scene on the stage. It's like a party and carnival that we're all celebrating、uh, music. And you really see that music creators are, are very eager to look for new tools and new software to help them help their work get more exposure, and very practically help their help musicians, help music creators monetize. So Grammys is. It's all about community and all about the celebration for that, and it's actually、uh, corresponded to and a question that you, you asked just now. What's the difference, like pitching ideas to potential partners versus like、uh, Hollywood here? In Hollywood, it really relies on a lot of connections and relationships built. That's why there is like always lobbyists, managers, and agents who would know 
what's going on. But I do think at the end of the day, it's it's about being sincere. It's about presenting to those people、uh, what your value is. And for entertainment, whether it's film, it's music, it's a lot of people people business. And that's also one of the great lessons that I've learned when I was I'm studying music, but when I was like、uh, intensely classic trained、uh, pianist, which is in order to to be there, being a good pianist is probably the least thing that I want to do. First of all, you need to know how to be a good person. Second of all, you need to be how to、uh, you need to know how to be a good artist, and the last is how to be a good、uh, pianist. And I do think this applies to all the different industries and、uh, all the different fields because it's all about how people would come together and to work on projects together. It's it's how one plus one will be greater than two, or you can also always do it alone. But the thing is that what's so fascinating it's about teamwork. It's about building a great team and putting a great talented team together and doing something with a great vision and to execute. And also know that what you're doing is actually influencing certain communities or people here and there. And with that, how is the best way for our audience, for our listeners at home, to find out more information about what you're doing, to get in contact with you? Yeah, please add me on LinkedIn. It's my name, Ivan Lane, and Wave is W A V V dot A P P. It's WAVV dot、uh, APP. Right now, we're open for waitlist for people to sign up as music creators or as music consumers, because we believe that the recommendation system, the AI, as well as the future Web three infrastructure, that's about to、uh, give this industry another look, and we're very much looking forward to that. Fantastic! And for our audience at home, please connect with us on the Silicon Valley Podcast dot com. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, all the major social medias, and for everyone out there, if you are a company looking to raise growth capital, if you're looking to get acquired, when I'm not doing the podcast, I'm a mid-market investment banker focused on mergers, acquisitions, growth capital, and secondaries. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. And with that, I want to thank City National Bank once again for hosting our event, and I want to thank our live studio audience. And with that, Ivan, thank you for your time today, this week on the Silicon Valley Podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.